Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. My name is Holland Henderson, financial advisor, and this is the Risk and Reward Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Callie Nesland. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah. First podcast ever. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I am, I am so happy that you're here. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Sure. Well, thank you again for, for having me. I have recently joined GiveWell Community Foundation as their chief operating officer uh, about three months, three months ago. So it has been um, fantastic. And GiveWell is a 501c3 charity. We are a bit of a hybrid, unlike other nonprofits, in that we don't grant to individuals, uh, but we grant to to other nonprofits. And so it has um, been a lot of fun to, to work with them and be the connector between philanthropists and, and community needs. And in my role, I am um, working on future initiatives stemming from our community needs assessment, which is currently underway in conjunction with United Way. And um, working on day-to-day operations and kind of strategic planning for the organization. So, how are we looking at as a community? What is it? What does it look like as far as our greatest needs right now? What are y'all seeing? You know, we have the the first draft back, and and what I like about it is um, one, the timing is very opportune. Of of you go out and you ask the community post COVID what the needs are and what that looks like, uh, which the world has changed very, very much so. We saw a lot of nonprofits who closed their doors in the midst Mm. of COVID. We also saw a wave of community support to bolster a lot of those organizations. Um, But but what you see is some entities that um, programs that are put in place are proving to be very effective. And so you just need to continue and scale those. And then um, we've identified some other gaps as well. So more to come on that. I I hope you have me back. (laughs) I'd love to talk all about it. Absolutely. So are we seeing a nationwide difference between what was uh, nonprofit before COVID and after COVID? Is that... It's a good question. Uh, Yeah, I don't like that question so much. (laughs) Because I don't know. The needs assessment looked at... um, kind of tri-county area of Polcardi and Highlands okay. counties. It'd be difficult to answer in different yeah. areas because shutdowns looked in diff- different in different That's ways. That's exactly right, much like the business environment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So where? how did you get into this role and into sure. know, community foundation, charitable giving? Yeah. Um, my experience with, with GiveWell was really threefold. I spent about a decade in corporate philanthropy um, and had worked with GiveWell on a couple projects um, one being a community playground where we set up a construction fund and a perpetual maintenance fund. So that was really my entry um, to the organization. I had served as board chair of a nonprofit who um, applied for and received a number of capacity building grants from GiveWell, so very familiar with um, their Empower grant cycle and, and how that helps nonprofits with some of those operational or non-sexy needs. Um, and then my husband and I, on a personal level, level um, are donor-advised fund holders. Okay. And so that just made a, a lot of sense. So a lot of familiarity with, with the organization and the services they provide. That's very cool. So are you, are you from around here? Um, I am. I moved to Lakeland in middle school and graduate of George Jenkins High School. There you go. Uh, went away from college and then came back. Okay. Do you feel like that that is pretty important, especially in your role in helping guide GiveWell, just knowing who your community is? 
A hundred percent. And I think that is really kind of the competitive advantage of our staff. Um, you have a group of professionals who are deeply embedded in the community. And so they know what those needs look like. They know um, who the organizations are. There's over 3,000 nonprofits just in Polk County. Holy and smokes. so to have that pulse, I think, is very important and, and valuable to, to donors and fund holders who choose to, to give their money through GiveWell. So as an individual... I mean, what's the benefit of giving your funds to give well for them to distribute versus just giving to the nonprofit directly? It's a great question. And I think it's important to preface it of we do not compete with with nonprofits. We have a very different business model. We're not a fundraising organization. And so GiveWell really relies on nonprofits as our hands and feet in the community, that they're the ones that are doing the work and having the impact. And donors may choose to go through GiveWell for a couple reasons. One of it is, is the simplicity of, you know, one tax receipt at the end of the day, um, you can make one contribution and then much like a um, online bill pay, divvy that out um, at a time that's convenient and to various organizations. And so just to not have to go chasing receipts at the end of the year is, is a lot of value. Um, some of it is uh GiveWell can accept more sophisticated assets than a lot of, um, more sophisticated gifts than a lot of your nonprofits can, be it cash, appreciated stock, life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. um, and so some people choose to give through GiveWell for those reasons. And then um, really the crux of it, I think, is the flexibility of our donors control the timing of when they um make recommendations on grants to organizations. And so you may have somebody that had a fantastic year in their business and they were blessed with abundance and they say, okay, I want to put this away now. And then I want to give it out over, over a couple different years to um, my favorite charities. And wh why would someone want to do that? Why, why would they want to break up their, their donation rather than just giving it? I mean, I, I, I want you to answer that. I mean, I have my own thoughts. Sure. Sure. Um, I, I think it, there's a lot of tax advantages of, of doing that from, from yeah. your perspective, but also just the seasonality of life, of, of business cycles. We work with individuals and families and, and business owners. And so um, not being able to predict where where the their business is going to go, uh, you have folks that may say, I had a, a really great year now. And if it's not so great in a couple years from now, I'd still like to be able to show up at the Polk County Youth Fair and support those young agriculturalists and, and buy just as many steers and pigs as I did the year before. <laughs> and uh, so it, it allows folks to remain consistent in their in their giving, um, but, but give at a rate or a pace that is tax conducive. I think it's also, I mean, and this is me uh, just thinking, it's also probably very helpful for the nonprofit to be able to be more consistent in their budgeting processes, right? Um, you know, getting a large gift, especially whenever you're talking about the ultra high, high net worth. I mean, those, those funds, even though they're great for a minute, can also disrupt the normal flow of 100%. the charity. Yeah, and, and you do have those... Um, those donors who want to give a gift in perpetuity. And so yeah. they can put away um, a larger amount now that, that um, continues that, that commitment to their nonprofit for forever. I think, I think one of the things that's becoming more of a common, you know, a common talking point is generational giving, mm -hmm. right? How can I give beyond my lifespan, 
right? And I think that that, that that was relatively new. So I started in the business about 17, 18 years ago, and that was still a relatively new concept. But it's becoming more of a talking point now where someone can plan their gift to say, I, I want to make sure that this last outlasts me, my spouse, and then goes on and, and allows my children to take part in that giving as well. And that's that's ultimately what GiveWell does, or a function of it. That's exactly right. I think our um, fund holders who we have worked with in the past have typically been more seasoned professionals a little bit later in their business um, career. And now we are starting to see some of those next generation, the, the children coming in. And it's very exciting because it is a culture of giving back to the community. It's a culture of philanthropy. And so um, to see that happening is really, really fun and exciting to, to be in the position at GiveWell. Very cool. Well, uh, welcome to GiveWell, I should say. Oh, That's thank part you. of it, thank too. Um, so let's go ahead. We'll, we'll take, we're going to take a break, and we'll get right back to it. And we're back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I've got Callie Nesland from uh, GiveWell here with us. Uh, so you'd mentioned something right before our last break about uh, generational, right? Mm -hmm. And it just kind of gets me thinking, you know, how, how do we create a, a generational gifts to be a part of our culture, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got people, you know, Obviously, I would think that the majority of people with more money to give would be people that have been in the workforce longer, right? Just older individuals. And then, you know, as well as heirs that have built up different types of family foundations. But if you're trying to create something, what are your thoughts as far as creating that, that culture of generosity in your own family? right? Generationally. That's, that's a fantastic question. I mean, I think it really starts with demonstrating those values and um, sharing with, with children and, and generations what that looks like and why you give and involving them in, in some of those discussions. But especially for the younger generation, I mean, it doesn't just have to be sharing of your treasure. Um, it can be time. And mm. often, often you see um, students who are starting to get involved with service groups and take on those projects and get familiar with some of the nonprofits and their community. And so I think it's really time, talent, treasure, however your your children can give, encouraging them and fostering that. Do you feel like the, the stronger ties with an organization are ones that you served with directly? I mean, so it, the ones that you're working with, with your hands and your heart and your time, like you're telling, mm -hmm. like you're saying, those are the ones typically that you're most strongly attached to. Oh, absolutely. Because you see the need firsthand and you see the impact that you're having as mm -hmm. opposed to kind of writing a check to to an entity who is, is far away. And so I think there's no substitute for that. And for volunteering as a family, um, those are great things to do with. That's pretty cool. So are individuals the only ones that are using GiveWell? No, we do work with nonprofits quite a bit um, and kind of consider ourselves a builder and a caretaker of community resources. And that includes a lot of um, agency funds. And so agency funds may be endowed. They're not all endowed. But when a nonprofit has, uh, you know, rainy day funds or they want to build an endowment or they want to build a new building, um, we will often house those those capital 
dollars as well and invest them. And so um, that is, you know, part of the community service portion of, of what we do, very low fees, but an honor to be able to work with, with nonprofits and serve them in that capacity for those who have money that they want to invest, but maybe don't want to have a whole investment committee and an investment strategy that they know that they can trust to give well with those dollars. And so we have um, about 90 agency funds um, that we currently hold. So it's a really good way for especially smaller or just, uh, you know, uh, nonprofits that don't have a lot of capacity to house an investment committee or their boards maybe not, doesn't feel comfortable with that. They can create a fund for their capital funds campaign or endowment fund, right? And then invest those funds. That's exactly right. Yeah. They can trust it to the pros. There you go. We do. (laughs) That's not a bad, that's not a bad and it, and it, it, you know, just my experience in working with GiveWell, you have multiple different funds. So it doesn't have to be something that's completely, you know, thrown to the market. And it's not just one-sided. There are multiple different options. Exactly. We have four investment pools right now, uh, the first of which being cash. And so if you are a, a nonprofit entity that's about to build a new building, you probably don't want to throw all of that money into the market right now because you're about to draw from it and, and start your um, your building. Um, we also have a long-term pool, which is comprised of 70% equities and alternatives, 30% fixed income. Just recently introduced a balanced pool, which is, is 50-50 equities and fixed income. And then a conservative pool, which is a lower risk, lower volatility offering of 30% equity and 70% fixed income. So, so what is, what's the safety that's, that GiveWell is offering to be the conduit between individual and nonprofit as well as for the nonprofit? I mean, you know, as far as verifying who the nonprofit is, things like that. Yeah, and I think that's another thing that community foundations do exceptionally well is the due diligence and the accountability portion of we will work with donors who want to give to um, a 501c3 charity and ensure that they're in good standing with the IRS, ensure that the dollars that they are given are used for the purposes that um, are, are specified, and so follow up and have that fiscal accountability. Um, and so that really uh, hopefully allows our donors to to feel good knowing that their money is having the impact where they want it to. That's fantastic. So, I mean, are you are you already starting to see some projects evolve through GiveWell right now and just changing the face of our community? We are. Uh, we were very involved with, with Bonnet Springs Park. That's um, a big one. <laughs> and that has just been a phenomenal project that our community has so much to be proud of, and thanks to the generosity of, of the folks in the community. And so that is one of those transformational things that doesn't happen every year that uh, folks get really excited about, but it creates this swell of, of pride and makes people want to move here and, and kind of rises, rises all boats. So, so, you know, having a community foundation, right, that obviously community is in the name, but how do you create a culture or what are your thoughts on creating a culture of giving within your community? So it's one thing to do it, mm-hmm. you know, with your family and allow your kids to kind of take part in your giving structure. But what happens if, you know, because not everybody who listens to the show lives in Lakeland, right? So how, how can they help create a culture of giving and just where they live, you know, would that? 
Yeah, I think that Lakeland specifically is very unique in that we do have a very strong culture of philanthropy that has come from successful businesses and successful families who have been very intentional about paying it forward and inviting others to come alongside to do the same. And so I think that that is really where it starts for any community is, um, you know, culture is intentional and it has to be worked at and show it is showing and demonstrating and then um, bringing others alongside in whatever capacity that looks like to say we've created something that's worth preserving and, and improving. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, gosh, uh, the, the number of things we share in, in commonalities within this community on the generosity of other people, right? And, I, and some of them don't carry the names of those people on the sides of them, on the side of the building that were, you know, generously given. It's just, a, it's amazing on the landscape within Lakeland on how generous people have been. Um, you know, what would you say to people who are saying, you know, uh, I don't really know where to start. I don't really know what to do to create a strategy of giving in my own life. Right. I know mm -hmm. I, I, we have these conversations sometimes or all the time within our conference rooms whenever we're meeting with people and planning for people. But from your perspective, how would you say, OK, this is the this is the way that I would probably begin a strategy of giving? Say there's no time like the present, certainly of um you know, there's no time that's too early to start thinking about what you want your legacy to be and to start um planning and putting away small amounts and allowing those to, to grow over time and to start thinking about um, what your favorite charities are and who's making impact uh, and who you, you'd like to help have those sustainable sustainable resources. And so give us a call. We'd love to, to have those conversations and start so walking through that. What's considered a, you know, a larger periodic donor um, to a nonprofit. I mean, what would a non a basic nonprofit? So there's three thousand different nonprofits in the in the Lakeland area. Is that Lakeland or Polk County? So, uh, that's Polk County. Okay, so three thousand nonprofits in the Polk County area. What would be considered a large donor to those three thousand? Would you think? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I've talked to some, and they've said you know somewhere around someone that's given a hundred bucks a month to some would be considered a larger donor. Now you have ones that are giving a much larger amount. But I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't take a lot to be considered someone who's giving pretty frequently to, you know, to a nonprofit. That's exactly right. I mean, I think many of your nonprofits would, would say anything that's over $1,000 would, would be large. But just as important are those folks who are getting their Social Security check and they're writing you $50 yeah, absolutely. Um, every single month. I mean, those are the ones who are really um, bought into the mission and, and the vision of those organizations. And so um, many of them kind of have a, a pyramid of, of it takes everybody contributing what they can. Absolutely. All right, well, let's go ahead and take our next break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I've got Callie Nesland with GiveWell with me still. Thank you for not running away. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so are, are you, do you have any good stories about just generosity in the community yet being a couple months on the job here with GiveWell? I mean, that's the thing. You've been with GiveWell under employment for a little bit of time, but you've been around GiveWell sure, for some time. Sure, that's exactly right. Um, 
so many stories, and, and I hope that that is the takeaway of, of anyone listening to this, is what an amazing vehicle for, for good in the community that, that comes through the generosity of others. Um, recently, Hurricane Ian uh, came through came through Florida and had quite a bit of impacts, most of which was, was southwest Florida, but we did see a lot of damage in um, some of the southern counties, um, specifically Hardy County, which mm-hmm. is in Givewell's service area. We service Polk, Hardy, and Highlands counties and um, partnered with United Way for a United Community Relief Fund. And I think that was really important because you had two organizations who are both um, on the front lines, trusted with donors, many shared donors, um, but why would they have two separate relief funds? And so we we joined together and... um, it was one of those situations where one and one equaled three of a lot of corporate grants that neither of us had had received, entities that neither of us um, previously had relationships gave to to the relief fund. And so um, our committee just met and, and announced some of those grants recently. But the opportunity to provide services to those who need it be it folks who maybe they did do hurricane preparations, but instead of paying their mortgage, they were buying a generator or um, buying other supplies. And then now after the fact, because they, they were storm ready, um, their finances, they could could use some help. Um, we saw uh, food food banks and food trucks who were dealing with the price of diesel gas. And so oh, they're, yeah. they have food, they have supplies, but trying to get it to where it's needed, the costs are, are exorbitant. And so um, we were able to provide grants to some of those organizations. That's incredible. So how are you seeing, because community foundations were, it, it was more family foundations prior to, and then community foundations kind of started popping up. How's that really changed the landscape of giving? Sure. Community foundations um, are, are an amazing tool and and. They are an institution of permanence in, in a community and meant to really be that safety net and that support. But what I will say is probably in recent years, they have been viewed as very transactional. Of, mm-hmm. of You have um, a series of donor-advised funds that are housed there, uh, which are a wonderful vehicle, and that's why they're the most popular and fastest growing in the country. Um, but really, those donors are advising on, on the grants that they want to give and the organizations that they would recommend um, we give to and um, so it's very transactional of hey I you know would like to give to Salvation Army and we do the due diligence and and cut the check and where I think that community foundations are really transitioning to is this leadership model of being a convener and a catalyst in the community of using all of that knowledge that you have about what's going on and what the needs are to initiate some of that change and to continue that matchmaking with with donors and philanthropists but to be to be leading the charge and so um, many of them are setting up impact funds which are are more unrestricted dollars Mm -hmm. um, to to help and address some of those immediate needs one of the things that i think is pretty cool is the organization that it gives an individual's giving as well as it i love i love the word convener in mm-hmm. this particular place because it brings nonprofits together to kind of just because you have different organ uh, different types of um, events where you're bringing all of these people together mm-hmm. and it becomes more of a one family type of thing right it give wells at the center of it as as just a conduit it's not necessarily a ruling body but it brings all of these people together 
It's absolutely and right. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's so important that we have strong nonprofits in the community. And so absolutely. it's in our best interest to provide training, to provide capacity building grants, to make sure that they are um, able to be great stewards of, of the money that's entrusted and to um, be able to have effective outcomes. Yeah. And just that accountability piece mm-hmm. is massive because- I mean, that's all. That's always kind of been the question whenever you're giving money is, do you really know what you're giving your money to? And just making sure that that's matching up. But I know from a planning perspective, whenever I'm working with my clients, um, just their organization on the planning strategy, and then as they attain a wealth, making sure that it's going to the places that they want it to, even into death. And I mean, that's it's such a paramount thing to make sure – that in in all things money, that you have a strategy and a plan that you're at least attempting to execute. That's exactly right. That that accountability piece is so important because there's nothing more disenfranchising than than to see something that's that not it's not used in the way that you intended it to to be used for. Yeah, and I, I would also argue that GiveWell is not just the place where it's oh I'm just looking for a tax benefit. Mm-hmm. There's actually good that's happening in our community because of the nonprofits that are existing. There's there's great good and and through working with with our donors and fund holders it is a really neat opportunity when you see the organizations that someone has given to and say okay so I see you're really passionate about free enterprise or financial literacy do you know about this organization because they're doing some really cool things in that space and how so, how often are y'all playing matchmaker like that every day <laughs> every day yeah it's great so are y'all introducing new places to people that have, they've never even heard of that organization or how to. They just say, hey, this is my profile and this is what I want to give to. We are. We are. And that's the fun part of um, be it scheduling tours and, and kind of going on field trips or our staff going and our board members going and seeing firsthand what somebody is up to um, and what new programs they're developing and then being able to share about that. So what, are some, what are some exciting nonprofits that are happening right now? Are we allowed to talk about that? Now I'm going to get in trouble for choosing okay, favorites. Okay, well, we can't do that then. <laughs> I don't wanna, I, listen, we're, we don't want to get you in trouble on that. So a year in giving, right? I mean, that's a massive thing because December 31st is kind of the cutoff. You want to make sure that you're year in giving. So what, so what are some things that you would tell people sure. to make sure you do? Yes, we're, we're getting ready. We're excited about that. Um, will we'll be interesting to see what that looks like this year um, with with the market where it is. But certainly, um, we expect people to 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 give and and plan their year in giving. I think a couple tips I would say is um, one, just making your listeners aware of. Uh, when we're open and when checks have to be postmarked, um, which is no later than December 31st of, of 2022. Um, we have an online portal so people can do credit card donations. If you want to get those points in, um, then that's an option. And you can do that at two in the morning before December 31st. Um, and then just to be thinking about those who may want to give their appreciated stock, any kind of publicly traded um stock or non-cash assets, those tend to be a little more uh, time-consuming. you got to get a couple days out ahead of those. And so don't wait until the 31st of December. I'll amend everything that you said. The cutoff's a week prior to it. Is that right? No, it's not. No, I'm just saying for your tax professional, financial advisors, and the people I give well, try to make it. How about today? Today's a good time. 
Yeah, just make it a week before. Um, but we'll be there. We'll be there with the lights on and the oh, doors yeah. open. I know. Trust me, I've rushed a couple of checks over yeah, there. Maybe some cookies and punch. Yeah, and so this is where I think that uh, having a strategy and a plan for the entire year so you're not having to wait until the last minute and rush around. But sometimes, I mean, last minute, you have to because you're you, something came in the last minute or you just figured a new number. So I get, I mean, listen, I'm guilty of it. I guilty. Cannot, I guilty. Can, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if we're, we're throwing barbs, I'm going to be the first one that's being sacrificed on this hill here. <laughs> I'll play the fifth. All right. So let's go ahead and take our last break. And I've got a very important question after this. And we're back with Beyond Dollars and Cents. I have Callie Nesland here with uh, GiveWell. So my very important question was, are you seeing differences in the way people give based on their generation? So baby boomers and generation. Absolutely. X. That's its own its own study right there, which is, is really fun and interesting to see. Uh, baby boomers, I, I think, grew up in a generation where it was very much a pay-it-forward um, civic responsibility mm -hmm. of um, pretty disciplined and routine and writing checks to their favorite charities. Um, I think the, the Gen Y and the Gen Z have, have turned that upside down, where uh, very much this entrepreneurial approach of I have all kinds of skills and talents, and I'm going to bring them all to you, organization. And um, so they are much more likely to want to want to go straight into to dating and volunteering and seeing some of those needs really? and impact firsthand. Um, you know, Florida Trend just came out with their focus on philanthropy and spotlight uh, also said that that generation is is more likely to hold a grudge if they don't get a thank you note from the nonprofit um, but um, and also more likely if they identify a community need that they don't think a nonprofit is currently serving to go start their own and so really? that is a, a regular conversation that our staff has with um, folks that say you know here's what I want to do and to the extent we can save you from having to go through the IRS process of setting up a 501c3 and, and maybe find someone that's doing something close that, that wants to partner, um, that saves a lot of, of time and paperwork. But um, that is kind of one of the signatures of this next generation that's coming through is they're all in. Um, and so, so would you say that that's also, so millennials, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? They're just, I mean, same bucket. Same bucket. Yeah, yeah. That is so. Why do you think that they're they're so drawn to participating in it over the baby boomers? I mean, is there anything that the studies show the reason why that is? I think it's just culturally the way, and I'm going to say we because I sure. identify in that, that right, uh, right. the way that we have have been raised, which is to. to problem solve and um, to have a seat at the table and so to to bring it all and say I'm, I'm not just gonna write you a check because that's boring you know I'd like to to be involved and so one of the things that I've run into in planning was um, when when that age comes and you're starting to take over your parents finances mm -hmm. right um, the benefit of a place like give well is that you understand the organization of what the the contributions are because I, I I've heard it multiple times where someone comes in they're like, "Mom's been writing checks to anyone that basically asks her for money," and so having that one place that you go to, um, you know, do y'all run into that a lot, or do you help solve some we of that do. problem? 
one of the safeguards for that is in our donor advised funds. Um, and we have a variety of funds. I've kind of harped on that one. Um, we have designated funds, which is where someone can say, um, I want this to go to one organization over time. And mm-hmm. so this is how I'm going to going to set it up. But every year we'll remember to, um, to write a check and send it to that organization. But in the donor advised funds, um, you have your founder, your, your founding donor, but they can name advisors as well and successor advisors. And so oftentimes those safeguards are in place of if it's a married couple, both of them will have to advise and agree on a grant before um, GiveWell would consider that and, and um, pay that out. And so you can you can do that where I've had uh, couples who have said, oh, he'll say yes to anybody that asks. And I'm a little <laughs> more intentional. And so I want to be able, both of us, to say. Do you uh, feel like y'all yeah. give that balance too when some you have spouses that have different tendencies of yes and then the other one no or Oh yeah, it's like fun to <laughs> it's fun to watch it. You know, typically your females tend to be um, the ones that want to give and that are identifying those specific needs. You see, a lot of the males have a lot of interest in the pool selection and the investment pools, and and that that may be stereotypical, but. Um, it's, it's fun to watch how they play off of each other to develop a family strategy that is very intentional and impactful uh, and wisely invested. So, I, I mean, I, I see kind of minds change and mold. And I mean, I, I would imagine that's very interesting on your part to watch someone fall in love with a nonprofit that they did not know about prior to. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and I would say... That's probably my personal story with, um, I was on the board of volunteers and service to the elderly for a number of years. And I will always say what drew me to that organization was the efficiency of it. Uh, I appreciated, um, you know, just a, a board that was very well run, the president, Miss Alice O'Reilly, who is who is the legacy here in town, um, and so I came and said, "Yep, if I'm going to serve, I want to serve on, on that organization." And then over time, 10 years later, here you are just with a heart for the elderly in our community and the services that they provide. And so sometimes it's it's the mind that goes first and then the heart follows. And, and sometimes it's the opposite. Who do you think has the biggest impact in people's story of generosity in their life? You know, parents, friends, churches. I mean, what do you, what do you normally run into? I mean, I think it's parents. I think it's what they um, exhibit and to the extent that they involve their family of this is why we're doing something and this is what that looks like, that can be really transformational. Um, and so I think that uh, as parents, that's an important charge to us of uh, to involve our kids and to have those conversations. And the other day at our dinner table, my daughter threw in a prayer for Ukraine that, yeah. that I wasn't expecting. And I thought, okay, well, here's this teachable moment of, you know what, there's a lot of children in Ukraine right now who are going into a winter that's going to be very cold and they have no homes. And so yeah. what does that look like? Is that let's start a lemonade stand? Or, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love watching my kids participate in any type of generosity. We went to for a work day through our church, um, and the, my two oldest, I took my two oldest, they just complained the whole way there. I even tried to bribe them with a smoothie, like, hey, we'll get <laughs> a smoothie. It, it, right, you got to right, get them right, there. Right. So we got there, and now they cannot stop asking when we're going to go do it again. Now, I don't know if they produced any good <laughs> as far as what they got accomplished, um, but they were fun to watch, and it was really cool whenever you could see that their heart was that they were making a difference in someone's life. 
And then that, I mean, it's such a special thing. Um, the, the way that I look at generosity, I've actually talked about this in a couple of my blogs, is that it's, it's kind of like physical therapy, right? So if you have a hurt arm or a hurt hand and you never practice the physical therapy, your hand can get actually frozen, mm-hmm. right? Your arm, you can have frozen shoulder to where it doesn't bend the right way. And I feel like the greed aspect in, in my heart, my personal heart is, I just want to make sure that I have what's mine. And it's just that constant putting money in the right place in your heart to it not being an ultimate, it's being some, it's a tool to help your, you know, to help the people around you, to help yourself, to make sure that, that um, things are going the right way. That's exactly right. And I think it's so important that you show your children what that need looks mm-hmm. like. And, and that's a little counterintuitive. Oftentimes we want to shield them from, from what hurt and need looks like. Yeah. But that measured exposure of, hey, here's, you all have a lot to be grateful for. 100%. And here is um, what our capacity to help and solve some of those challenges are is so important in creating. Well, I've never effort. had to show them how to be mean and greedy. Exactly. With their, with their exactly. Own stuff. The best is watching them trade money, right? Because. You know, they're like, hey, this is heavier, so I'll trade yeah. you. you. My you, nickel. Yeah, I'll give you your, my nickel for your $5 bill. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's kind of brilliant. But let's all money trades have to go through the Fed Reserve, which is mom and dad. Which is dad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, wh- you know, where do you see GiveWell kind of going from here in affecting the landscape of our community? I mean, do you see any new things happening? Um, I do. This this year's our 25th anniversary, which is That's very crazy. exciting. Um, and so we have grown exponentially from Community Foundation of Lakeland to Community Foundation of Winter Haven to GiveWell Community Foundation of about um, over $300 million in grants given out over oh, our so lifetime. And today we have over 400 funds, over $400 million in assets. And so just significant potential to do great, to do more uh, good in our community. And so I think you will see um, the establishment of those impact funds of, okay, let's do something about public transportation, about education, or very specific areas, and um, partnering with nonprofits to figure out how they can collaborate, how they can meet some of those community needs. But um, would love to see some of those where, as GiveWell identifies a need, we can be nimble and flexible and responsive to that. And I think really the the impact funds will will help us with that. That's wonderful. So as we close out every single show, I try to ask two questions. So what are you reading or listening to right now that's that's you like and enjoy? And even if you don't enjoy it, what do you uh, I just joined a book club for really? the summer. Yes. And so we're reading a lot. I'm trying like to keep up. These are people that you meet or is this like a, one of those mail-in things? These are girlfriends and we, okay. and we get together and we, we talk about what we read. We just finished The Magnificent Life of Marjorie Post, okay. uh, which is this funny crossroads between professional and, and um, reading for pleasure. And she was just a remarkable woman who was the daughter of a Post serials, um, and quite a philanthropist in her own right. And so I, I loved it because there was a lot of ties to Florida. She built Mar-a-Lago down in Palm Beach. Wow. Um, it, was, it was 
little bit of historical fiction, but how she used her resources and what she had, and she loved hosting and entertaining to throw these elaborate fundraisers and to do just amazing things and start soup kitchens in New York during the Great Depression, and um, just her self-awareness of what she was blessed with and what the needs were and how she could give back. Um, So loved, loved that story. Uh, what I am listening to, I'm a big podcaster. Yeah. Used to have a, an hour commute to and from work. Now it's like four blocks. So, <laughs> it's a very short podcast. Yeah. So Andy Stanley is is a regular for me. Um, just listened to one of his yesterday about kind of organizational culture. And I just think he has a lot of wisdom. He does. Not only in, in his church and how he's built and runs his church, but for uh, business leaders as well. And so I love his parenting stuff. That very, too. Yeah. He's helpful. got a lot of wisdom all the way around. I got to be one of those people one day. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, what are you most encouraged uh, about in the life around you and your work or just around? At the risk of echoing something we touched on earlier, I think um, Bonnet Springs Park, it gives me a big, big lift and, and it recently opened. And so that's been top of mind for everyone. But almost going there on opening weekend and getting this uh, kind of emotional sense of what a gift our community has. Mm-hmm. This is something that is so nice that our tax dollars would never be able to fund something of this magnitude. Yeah. And um, I really think it's one of those transformational projects. We, My family was in Denver last year, and we went to their city park, and it was amazing because they had the zoo and the children's museum, kind of everything revolved around that. And I think that Bonnet Springs was designed in a similar uh, fashion, very intentional, with the children's museum there with Blinky, um, who I just adore Blinky. I right. would love one day to to be able to to give back to my community and do a project like that or contribute in that way. Um, and so I just feel this, this great sense of gratitude, like I said, as companies are trying to hire new talent and bring people here to be able to take someone to Bonnet Springs, it, it sells itself and says, we have really cool stuff. Stuff. We have a joinery and we have a, yeah. a park. Um, and so I'm just really bullish on our community and, and what we have going for us. I think it's an exciting time. Very cool. So how can people reach out to GiveWell? Uh, you can jump on our website. You can call or email cnesland at givecf.org. Um, you can give on our website, like I said, uh, easy, easy widget portals to support hurricane funds or operational funds or um, any of the above. And uh, Lori Martini and I, my partner in crime, um, would love to, to meet with anyone and um, talk about your legacy, talk about your giving plan. Wonderful. Thank you again for being our guest. Uh, again, this is Holland Henderson with Allen & Company Financial Advisor. Please go on our website at alleninvestments.com. A lot of great material on there, some podcasts and uh, blogs. Uh, until next time, have a wonderful day. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC.